don't say it again. You're going to say it again. I can see it on your face. You're going to say it again. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. You didn't say it. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs, a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And my voice sounds bad. I'm sorry. Sarah (laughs) is going to apologize about her voice. I'm all froggy, and the doctor doesn't know why. He said maybe I'd talk too much. But you felt... You feel good. I feel fine. Yeah. I just sound scary. You don't sound bad at all. He said, maybe you've been talking too much. I said, me? We talk do, too much? We do talk a lot. <laughs> he didn't know I've been sitting for two days grating nonstop, not speaking to anyone. I, this is the last time I'm going to say, I'm sorry that I sound so froggy. Okay. I hope it's not too annoying. Uh, just a warning off the top. If you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. If they're not afraid of the exorcist voice, they can listen to the podcast. That's not an exorcist voice. <laughs> oh, my God. Did we get the love this week? I know. It was so nice. So for, we got an email from Charia in Arizona. Yeah. Who sent just the nicest email. It's so sweet of people to take the time to do that. And she has a Sockle Fox t-shirt, which Yay, is awesome. Sockle Fox. And then somebody asked a question on Facebook about the podcast. And there are a million people on there saying how amazing we are. And I was just overwhelmed by happiness. I was 25 into a stack of 55 15-page projects from students that had to be graded in less than 48 hours. Feeling miserable and trying not to take it out on my students when you sent me that. And I was like, oh, I needed that. Yes. There's hope out there. There are nice people out there. People think we're funny. I don't know if we're that funny. Oh, I'm pretty funny. You're pretty funny. (laughs) Funny sounding, funny looking. (laughs) I don't know if I'm that funny. I got funny stuff this week. Oh, boy. Okay. Because Great Worthy is a funny place. Oh, it is. (laughs) Just a reminder, we have an Acorn sponsorship going on right now. If you want to get on Acorn, look at our Twitter or Instagram. You get a code for 30 days for free. It's Midsummer 30. Mark actually saw people this week. I did. I left the house and saw both work people and friend people, and I played games with my game group. Who are all vaccinated. So we had no masks on, and we're all in the same room. It's like you're playing topless. It was so strange. (laughs) Letting your mouth hang all out and everything. (laughs) One one of the things that you probably haven't realized is you might have gone to work, but you've spent most of the time in your own house in the last year. Yeah, unless, and now, unless you have to go to work, which in which case, thank you for doing that. I've been to my friend's house hundreds of times, Yeah, but it was like I walked into a brand new house. You hadn't been there in a year. I hadn't been there in a year, and it was like a brand new house. He hadn't changed much. He bought some more games, but, yeah. but 
it was and you I had some awkward so hugs that were very nice yes awkward <laughs> hugs it, you got to remember how to be around people again so my weird thing this week was that um i have kind of a new friend at work she's actually like uh, my partner in this mentor program so we don't know each other that well we're getting to know each other and um she she was like oh i saw that you did a podcast and my wife and I had never watched that show before. So we watched the first few episodes. And I don't know if I can think about you the same way anymore. <laughs> I was like, what? They watched the first two. So they watched Badger's Drift. Incest and multiple murders. Yeah. And then they watched the one about the author's club, Written in Blood. Transvestites and multiple, multiple. Oh, don't forget Scumbag Scum. Scumbag Scum. And the fact that Lenora has her brother's corpse upstairs. Yes. Yeah, she was like, um, is it always like that? I said, no, 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 yes. no. The first yes, two episodes is. are kind of heavy on the on the weird, and they kind of back off of it, and you just get a little taste of weird. Oh, speaking of weird, this episode has the weird. Oh, boy. So this is season 14, episode three, Echoes of the Dead. Filmed in September, October 2010. Broadcast on the 20th of April, 2011, 5.47 million viewers. Directed by Nick Laughland and written by Peter J. Hammond. We've got trains. We've got donkeys. We've got weird pubs. We've got drowned people. We've got cut up people. Yeah. It's, we've got TV zombies. It's got everything. It's serial killer land. It is midsummer and at professional its wrestling. Oh, yes. And that. Sound of vinyl squeaking? Oh, oh it bothers oh, me. That, that coat is bad news. Where do you get a raincoat that shiny? At Serial Killers or Us. Oh, okay. You know, speaking of Serial Killers or Us, I found an awesome website this week called Murderpedia. Okay. Because I was looking up all the historical murders that John mentions in the episode. Mm -hmm. And Murderpedia is awesome. We'll put it in the show notes. I found good stuff there. I will put some it of in which the show. I'm going to mention. Excellent. Awesome. So we've got a donkey sanctuary, and that's important because John Nettles, who was the original Barnaby, Tom Barnaby, um, that's like his favorite charity. I think this is a little nod to John, to ne John Nettles. Yeah, I think so too. Or maybe they wrote it before they knew he was leaving. That's a possibility. And it would have been a good episode for him because he clearly believes in that cause. He, yeah. He absolutely. does a lot for donkey sanctuaries. Yeah. The, the trains thing seems stuck on to me here. Yeah. So that train, the one that we see at the beginning with Joe Starling uh, riding her bike next to it, that is train number 92212. Yes. It is a heritage line train, which means it's not connected to real train lines anymore. Nope. It's a steam train. Its nickname is the Watercrest Line. Ooh. Do you know why? No, I don't. You should know why. Why? Because we watched the Edwardian Farm show. You don't remember? No, I don't. Oh, so when the train lines were first laid out in England, it made it made a big difference for farmers because yeah. they could then get their produce to town quickly. And so there was this whole area of England that was known for raising watercress. And watercress was really popular for some reason. <laughs> It was indeed. Um, it's very healthy for you, apparently, if you has a lot of more vitamins than regular greens do. Anyway, there were trains that just took just tons of watercress to market every week. And this is one of the trains that did that. Oh. But now it's a heritage line. 
and they do dining trains, and they do real ale trains. I, I would gladly go on both so of those. So you can try to drink a beer and not spill it while riding on a steam train. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. There's a sign that says L-N-S-W-R. No, oh. it doesn't. Yeah. Well. It says painted space S, painted space, painted space R. Oh, okay. <laughs> Beware of trains. Yes. So that stands for London and Southwest Railroad. But why are the letters crossed out? Because that was the LSWR and it was amalgamated with other railway lines. And so they renamed it just the Southern Railway. Oh, okay. But they were cheapskates apparently. So instead of making new signs, <laughs> they just painted out the L and the ampersand and the W. <laughs> The train engine has SC on the bottom on the front. Do you know what that means? No. Okay. So what it means is, first of all, it's a standard across locomotives if they have this. Yeah. And British locomotives only. And it's a self-cleaning smoke box. Oh. And what that means is the engines require different disposal procedures. And basically the people who work at the train stations have to deal with it differently so that's why it gets that sc yeah because they get underneath them yep. right and they empty the ash out from underneath yep. and they drain the water out yeah and- it's a whole completely different procedure on the sc trains oh. joe starling is riding her bike yes and she rides past the great worthy she's so happy and- yes yeah, she is very very happy even though she wears shorts and tights <sighs> and wellingtons i just think that's a weird combo but And unfortunately, this episode really should be called Poor Joe. Oh, poor Joe. Because nothing but trauma happens. (laughs) Joe is not... Let's fast forward to the end of the episode. Joe is not all right. No, she's worse off at the end. No, she is in bad shape at the end of this episode. When they auditioned for this role, they must have just said, okay, all actresses auditioning for this role need to cry and talk at the same time. Can you do it? Go. And, and they picked the best one who could cry and talk at the same and time. And look completely confused. Because that's all she does. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame her for it. The character definitely needs to try. She's, that's the reaction she should I have. I chose her for all the, the images for the episode. This look of just utter horror on yeah. her face. She's so sad. She's so good at it. Great Worthy has the uh, most complicated village sign we've seen so far. Yes. So it has a train. It has a guy with a scythe and wheat. Yes. It has some flowers. It maybe has a wa- carriage on the top. Maybe watercrest, maybe? <laughs> no, he's, it's he's, wheat. It's definitely wheat. Yeah, it's yeah. like tall brown. Watercrest looks like spinach almost. It's like low to the ground and green. And we go past the pub and we have an aptly named pub. The, the Signalman. Signalman. Where there now, are horse and carriages and pony traps for hire. Yeah, pony traps is just a... Uh, a way to trap a pony. No. No. It's, it's a little two-wheeled carriage. It's it's like a slurry kind of thing. Not a slurry, a no. surrey. Surrey, yes. Surrey. surrey with a fringe on top. Yes. So or why those is it, racing carriages. Yeah. yeah. So why is it called the signalman? I know it's a train thing. So the signalman in the UK, the signalman sits in the single, single signal hut. <laughs> wow. The single signal hut? And that hut is... Bustling with technology. Apparently, it's just full of big levers, if you believe the sign for the yes. pub. Well, it is. Okay. Like uh, a three-station area, because you have to control the tracks in three areas. I watched a 40-minute video about this. Why? Had, 
You close like, you to like trains. Had close to 40 levers in it. Wow. And they're big levers. They're very big levers. But first, we start at the top of the of the hut. Okay. The top of the hut includes communication devices that use electrical bells to communicate back and forth to different stations and different signal huts. Okay. So they have things like long, short, long for calling people and things right. like that. Okay. Then there's a row of buttons that allow you to move those levers or not. Because some of these levers, as we'll get to, you do not want to turn them on by accident. Because they move tracks and stuff, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like you could derail a train if you bumped it. So then the color of the levers becomes super important. I saw red and white on the sign. Okay. So I got just a couple. Red, what do you think that does? Turns on a light. Yeah, it turns on a stop sign, yeah. right? What do you think a yellow does? Slow down? Yep, absolutely. And uh, the the black is what moves the... The, uh, the tracks? The tracks. Switches the tracks. Yeah, the first two just change the signals. The black changes the tracks. And the blue uh, locks it, right? But if so, they're just so, turning on a light, why do they need a lever that is half as tall as they are they're all situated the same way okay okay green makes a lot of sense Let's go right all clear good brown what do you think brown does um brown is holy shit look out no no it just <laughs> it raises up barriers and stuff like that oh and lowers okay i barriers. was just thinking brown okay <laughs> now red and white chevrons uh dining car i don't know i'm gonna say a word right now and you are gonna look shocked okay 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 are you ready yeah detonators <gasps> B bombs okay what the detonators are are little bombs okay uh-huh that when the train goes over them they make enough noise it's an emergency signal and you have to use those in conjunction conjunction with red levers wow so that's like no really stop yeah seriously it's, it's like you need to stop you need to really stop but there are detonators on those train tracks and they can activate the detonators from a distance because it's all a charge it's all an electrical charge with an electrical fuse as a passenger if i heard somebody mention detonators i would be terrified <laughs> if i didn't know that that's what they meant I, I'm watching this 40-minute video. I'm like, oh, you're green. She's showing the lights and everything. It's like, that. now this one's for the detonators. I'm like, what the detonators? That's when you absolutely have to blow a, tra a train right off the track. <laughs> Could not believe that there are detonators. Well, the train aside, this town is full of bad men. We have a bunch of bad men and one baddish man that we feel sorry for. Malcolm's not bad. He's no, sad. He's sad, but he's portrayed as... They try to make him look bad. I, I, I call him... Uh, uh, Ginger Herring. Ginger Herring. <laughs> that actor's really good. He's great. Yeah, but he's totally... He's the creepy guy. He's not creepy. He's not, though. He's unsophisticated. He's poor, and he's under the thumb of his parents, and he has a stutter. Yeah. And everybody takes advantage of him um 
so he, uh, Malcolm Merriman, he runs the gas station. He's played by Andrew Buckley, who's kind of a, a unassuming guy. But he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a ton of things. And one thing, <clears throat> one thing that he's been in that he also wrote that I would recommend is a movie called Skeletons yeah. from 2010. He, it's about these two guys who are like, they're exorcists, but they're like the least likely exorcists. One of them is kind of tall and heavy and bumbling, and the other one is really short and really thin, and they're like no-nonsense exorcists. It's very funny and quaint and cute, yeah, and it's called it's, Skeletons. It's a very good movie. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I liked good. it. I'd watch it again, and I don't yep. watch movies again. The pub is owned by Nikki and her husband. <laughs> Roundtree. We should just Matt. call them the Despicables. They... For for Matt's an ex cop, she's an ex brothel fantasy <laughs> brothel owner that have moved out to Midsummer Worthy, and then the the hardware store is run by the Flax Bernard are, and Yvonne Bernard and Yvonne, and then the donkey place is run by Sam and his mom Liz and his mom Liz otherwise known as Laura Time, and finally there's a vet who. Gets killed. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and then there's Malcolm's parents, Len and Olive Merriman, otherwise known as the TV zombies. Yes. They're I very... just want to shake them. Oh, they turn their television up way too loud. And then they sit five feet away from it and just stare at they it. Just stare. What they remind me of is the parents in Time Bandits. Yeah. They're zombies to the TV and they yeah. watch whatever is on. Yes. They definitely. watch game shows and soap operas and wrestling matches and ah, I just want to shake them. Yes. And when Matt gets in Jones's face in the pub, yeah. I just want to shake him. Yeah. Like, back off, bucko. Oh. Leave Jones alone. Matt is bad news. Yeah, he's oh, yuck. But they have a nice pub. They do. They do. <laughs> have a nice pub. Sorry. <laughs> And Bernard gives me the heebies, too. Okay. So so I'm saying all the men in this village, yeah. except Malcolm, are no good at and all. And they're all plural. Every one of the murders, they're all off not doing what they're supposed to be. Doing. Oh, and never mind. David Orchard, who is the killer, is also a man in this village. <laughs> just, to, just to say it. Just put it out there. And he is loony. Oh, wow. Is he loony? He's, he's had a psychotic break. Yeah, because his girlfriend broke up with him. Oh. Well, it's not that his girlfriend <laughs> broke up with him. It's that she sent him a letter a year later and said, I'm still broken up with you. <laughs> yeah. So she, what do you call it when you stop talking to somebody all of a sudden with no explanation? She ghosted, ghosted him for a year and then dropped him a letter and said, sorry, I'm married. Bye. And then she go, he ghosted every woman in town. <laughs> Literally. Well, I think before the year was up, he probably should have assumed that she had moved on. Yeah. There's some problems there with motive. So. But he's Looney Tunes. He is Looney Tunes. And we see that result of that Looney Tunes when Joe gets home and finds Louise in the bath. Diane. Diane, sorry, Diane in the bath. The bride in the bath. Wow, this is a staged crime scene straight out of Criminal Minds almost. Yeah, it is. And the water is is running over, so it's leaking down through the floor. So it's like raining in the house on the first floor. Yes. Or ground floor. And she's upstairs in the bath. And the actress who plays her, Lisa Brooks, she doesn't have a lot of credits, but she should have one big fat credit that is, can hold breath for a very long time. 
because she does such a good job. I wrote down best corpse of the episode twice yeah. in my notes. <laughs> yeah, the competition is pretty fierce in this it's episode for best corpse. Fierce. So she's got the lipstick on. She's got the curtains on like they're a veil over her in the bathtub. And the window, the mirror, sorry, said, blessed be the bride in red lipstick. It's a dramatic murder scene. It is freaky deaky. And it's a reference to another killing, yeah. right? a historical murder called the Bride in the Bath murder, which is George Joseph Smith. And he, he killed three of his wives in the same way. Wow. In 1912, 1913, and in 1914. Every year for three years, he, he killed a new bride by drowning her in the bathtub. Wow. And the first two were written off as accidents. Well, women really don't know how to use the newfangled bathtubs. Yeah. Well, and he was all—he was changing his name or going under a fake name. So it wasn't like they were like, "Hey, George, weren't we just here a year ago when your first wife died?" He was—he was going under a pseudonym, so they didn't connect it until the third one. He's a bad dude, but he's not the worst dude mentioned in this episode. No, no, we'll no. get to him. Yeah, you're at a crime scene, mm-hmm. and. You're given a job at a crime scene. Mm-hmm. And there's two important things to do when you have that job. Mm-hmm. The first thing is to put on your constable hat. Apparently. Yes. There's a police constable baseball hat being yeah. worn with a paper suit. But yeah. no gloves. No gloves. Ugh. So many people don't wear gloves. When John touches that exhaust fan cover thing, he doesn't have gloves on. I'm like, stop touching stuff. <laughs> Stop touching things. I think Jones is in the background going, stop touching things. Your psychology degree didn't teach you to put on some gloves. Stop touching stuff. It's like when you have a toddler in the house. Wait, you stop touching stuff. (laughs) Put on your gloves. And did you notice how the house is suddenly dry? Yeah. Well, it stops dripping. And then we don't really focus on squishy carpet all that much. So, you know, I don't know how dry it is. It would still drip for a while. And also... I would think Joe would be drenched, and she's not. Well, she doesn't touch her. No, but like just being in the house and stuff like that, she would be wet. It's a close thing that she doesn't reach in and pull her out of the water. It's very weird. But, I mean, she's clearly dead. She's gray. So I don't know how I would react to that situation. Shock. She's in shock. So Joe just freaks out, as any normal human being would. Absolutely. And then uses the phone, which I'm like, you're touching Stop that. touching stuff. No, gloves on. <laughs> That's okay. They they do a little bit of fingerprinting around the house and they, you know, the bathroom. And then they just let her have the house. Yeah. Like it's not a Luckily, crime scene Luckily, Fran anymore. shows up and goes, uh, I guess I'm police liaison here. <laughs> Maybe I should get you out of here for a couple of nights. Oh, I'm going to die. So Fran is the nicest human being. She is. She's kind to everybody. Including the donkeys. She tries to talk to Malcolm at the gas station. She yep. does her very best. He's not a conversationalist. <laughs> but she's like talking to him. And, uh, you know, she's so nice. She's definitely going to die. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, why is she there? What's the purpose of just a kind person? <laughs> so the reason why Barnaby touches the vent is because somebody has been looking in the bathroom. It's totally clear that somebody's been spinning it around because there's scuff marks on the dirty pebble dash on the outside of the house. I don't understand creepers at all. Okay. It's not a thing for me. But I understand why he doesn't have 
curtains on their windows in their bedrooms. But why does you he don't want- relate to it? But it at least makes sense if you're a peeper that you'd want to see somebody changing clothes. Why does he want he- them watch them go potty? I don't know because the only thing in view is the toilet. Also, they would be like, "What are you doing watching me go potty?" I would totally see him. Anybody would totally <laughs> see him. He's a short guy, but he's still visible. It would just it would change the light coming in through that vent every time he stepped in front of it, and that would catch your Instantaneously. eye instantaneously. Like. Why are you staring at people on my toilet? Get out of here. Why does his wife stay with him? Because she oh. knows all of his shit and is like, what? they sleep in separate beds. I, that's- He's not the killer. If he was, I would blame her for not stopping him because yeah. she just turned. She doesn't turn a blind eye to it. She just cannot deal with him. But she calls him out yeah, all the does. time and he just goes about doing whatever he wants to do. Yeah. So... All these people live on Jugs Lane. Jugs. <laughs> Fran lives on Jugs Lane. Everybody lives on Jugs Lane. Like, and this is why I don't understand why Joe sits around waiting for Fran to come get her when she could just walk to Fran's. It's like right there. The Donkey Center is Jugs Lane. The best part is everything's on Jugs Lane, but no one sees all these crimes happening in broad daylight. Yeah. Well, they don't happen at broad daylight, right? I mean, Diane died in the morning between mm-hmm. 7 and lunchtime, but Fran dies in the middle of the night. No, it's not in the middle of the night. It's it's twilight. Well, they move her in the night. Yeah, he moves her in the night. Yeah. My joke was that they see David walking around with that coat on and they go, who's that? Oh, the pub guy from Dark Autumn. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have the same coat. Yeah. Oh, don't don't mind Squeaky. He just walks around in the dark sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, that sound of that vinyl makes me crazy. Malcolm has some old stuff in his shop. He has starters for cars not made in like 40 years. You know, Malcolm. And he's selling cars. He's just getting by. You know, he's just getting by. He's eating his inventory, though. I mean, He's probably in his 40s, and you know his parents have treated him like that since he was little. Like, the fact that he didn't kill him long before now is kind of a miracle, because I would have wanted to. (laughs) I think we should go pray for her right now in the church. Okay, Killer McKillerson. Wow, that's an uncomfortable moment, isn't it? Wow. Everybody's like, um... No. Like, Nikki's not going into a church. She's going to go right up on fire right away. And Frank, who works at the train station, he takes his hat off like, yeah, that's sad. And everybody else is like, "Mm, no. Crazy David's (laughs) being crazy again. So when Nikki, the bar lady, hears that Diane's killed, she says, was it a sex attack? And I've, I've, in England, they call them sex pests, too. Yes. Both of which, I think, almost make them sound silly. Like silly crimes? It's a sex attack. <laughs> oh, are you a sex pest? Oh, you're always pestering people with your sex. <laughs> like, it's a bit more serious than that. Yeah. I don't think they're trying to undermine it, you know, to underestimate the impact of it. But the terminology to me I makes I think it they sound make silly. up for it with grievous bodily harm GBH. instead of assault. Yeah, I, yeah. Assault I, is like, oh, well, you know. But grievous bodily harm is serious. It sounds man. pretty serious. <laughs> The sign for Great Worthy Independent School is actually wood. I looked at it for far too long. Yeah, but it, I mean, but it's made to look stony. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying. Um, 
So we get to talk to David Orchard in his little house, apparently, that's on the grounds of the school because he teaches French and history. Yes. And he's refurbishing the house because the school doesn't mind if he does that as long as he pays for it himself. Yes. Because his fiance, Louise, who's in South Africa teaching, yes. is coming home and he she, wants to make it right for yes. her so they can get married. She's not coming home. She's never coming home. No. But man, his way of redecorating is not my way of redecorating. No. It's no. like he pushes everything from one side of the room to the other and then just paints on top of it. I don't understand. Uh, it's, he, he clearly does know how to do renovations. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what he's trying to do. And then we get to meet the Tomlins, who run the Donkey Sanctuary. Now, yes. Liz Tomlin is played by Pam Ferris. Yes. Who I know best as Laura Time from Rosemary and Time. Yes. She's been in a ton of things, including Harry Potter movies and Madeline and all kinds of stuff. Yes. What I learned about her this week is who she is married to and has been married to since 1984. Okay. And you will never, ever guess who she's married to. He was in A Midsummer, and he played a notable role. I'll even tell you what episode in Destroying Angel, the one about the mushrooms. Okay. She is married to the guy in Destroying Angel who is naked except for his apron and then gets chased through the woods. Nice. That's her husband. That's awesome. Uh, never would have guessed. Never. They've been married for 30 years. Wow. Like, more than that. Well, her and her son hate each other. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure why. So. Like, he has, he has a savior complex. Yes. That's Okay. Lots of people have he's, saved your He's complex. applying it in a way that is good for some... I mean, you know, he's saving animals. He's, okay. tri he's tried to date the women in town. That is all normal. Yeah. None of them said that he... Pestered, was a sex pest? Was a no. sex pest or anything <laughs> like that. No. They kind of feel sorry for him. But him and his mom do not get along. Yeah, so Liz used to be the registrar, right? His joke is that she's married half the town because she used to perform civil ceremonies as the registrar. Yes. Do you know what a registrar does? It signs up people for classes at a university. No. Okay. They keep the records of deaths, marriages, and births. I think they're kind of a notary too. Okay. It's not an elected office. You get hired yeah. to be the registrar. And there's not a lot of qualifications for it, but it's like you got to be orderly and a good kind of record keeper. And there's this and kind of implication that gets, she got fired, but no one says why or anything. Yeah, I'm like, what What nefarious things could you do as a registrar that would result in a conspiracy that you would get you fired? You are a year older than you say you are. Dun, dun, dun. But uh, so I looked into how you become a registrar because I didn't know if it was an elected position or yep. whatever. It's not, but... Doctors, midwives, ministers, and funeral directors are not allowed to be registrars. Oh. Nor are people who have ever worked in the insurance industry. Oh, so I could be a registrar. You could. Nice. You're 21. Yep. And you've got some GCSEs or the equivalent of it. Yep. But I thought that was interesting. So nobody who has any kind of interest in any of the things that a registrar keeps records of can, can be, be the registrar. <laughs> I have a question about the donkey sanctuary for you. I'm sorry. My final thought on this is I was just thinking like, okay, a funeral director, I understand yeah. because they could go knocking people off for the business. Well, more importantly, the they could record people's death and go, do you have funeral services provided? There is that too, okay. right? I, I was thinking. But I'm more, more nefarious than yeah. that. So I'm thinking like, oh, they're knocking people off, recording their death as 
uh, non-suspicious. Yes. Because they are also sort of the coroner, kind sort of. of. The coroner. Not the medical coroner, but the equivalent of what we have as a coroner, which is yeah. just somebody who goes, yep, they're dead. Yeah. Um, doesn't even have to be qualified to say that. It has to. In Indiana, you need a driver's license and a car. Yeah. To be a coroner. To be a coroner. That's it. So I could see why funeral directors could, you know, have kind of conflicting motivations if they were registrars. But I cannot understand why midwives would be a problem. Well, midwives are always a problem. No. Like, are they recording babies that weren't born? I don't know. Or not writing down the babies that they delivered? Health and safety. I guess. It's the answer to everything. Health and safety. Somebody somewhere did something bad, and so now they can't be registrars anymore. Because otherwise, that would be darn convenient. Yes. Anyhow. Okay. My donkey sanctuary question. Yes. Of the 12 donkeys that are available for adoption. Yes. Which one would you choose? I think her name's Jenny. She's noisy. Yes. Her (laughs) name is actually Jessie. Jessie. She is the oldest and noisiest. But she likes carrots. That's because you paused it and read the little posters I for adoptable did donkeys. Indeed. Only two of them are, vi- are viewable. I went through that scene over and over and over again. Because I, as a set dresser, would put a thousand in-jokes in there. <laughs> the other one viewable is Jimmy. He gives grooms the runaround. Do you know why they're Jesse and Jimmy? You know what? David gives brides the runaround. <laughs> Why they're J names? Why? Because male and female donkeys are called Jacks and Jennies. Oh, that makes sense completely. Or ass and she ass. Wow. <laughs> I think Jack and Jenny is better. Ass and she ass is going in the name <laughs> of the title of this episode. That's for sure. Oh, no. Those aren't the best names associated with donkeys. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So donkeys are a... They are a species, right? Yes. Not to be confused with a mule, which is the result of a donkey and a horse having a baby. Yes. And those are sterile. Yes. Okay. A donkey is not sterile. Now, if a jack yes. and a female horse have a baby, it's a mule. Oh. But if a jenny and a male horse have a baby, it's called a henny. A henny. Henny. H-I-N-N-Y. Okay. So you can have a mule or a henny. Okay. Now, are they both, are, are henny sterile also? Yes. Okay. Now, donkeys can also breed with zebras. Who, who finds these things out? There are wild donkeys all over the world. Okay. They may encounter zebras in the wild. Okay. You never know. If a male donkey and a female zebra and a female zebra the, have this, a baby, this is why you turn it into this podcast yeah. right here. Oh, you wait. Okay. If a male donkey and a female zebra have a baby, it can be called a zebra henny. Okay, that makes sense. A zebrette. Okay. Or a zebrini. <laughs> now, if a female donkey and a male zebra have a baby, yes. it's called a zebras. <laughs> That's not the best one. Look at the zebras on her. Prepare. Okay. A zebroid. <laughs> or my favorite. Your favorite? My favorite. <laughs> a zadonk. 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 <laughs> Look at the ass on that zadonkadonk. That zadonkadonk's got quite the donkadonk. 
<laughs> badonka donk on the Zadonka donk. You can make you can milk donkeys. Oh, of course. Stop. No way. No way. Okay. They're the only um, mammal that we know of. Yes. Granted, we've not milked all mammals as yes. humans. We're not that desperate quite no. yet. But they're the only mammal that we know that has milk that is completely hypoallergenic. Oh. Right out of the teat. So if you have allergies or anything, you can always drink donkey milk. And just so you know, if you ever see something called Puel cheese, P-U-L-E, yes, that's made with donkey milk. <laughs> so don't eat it. <laughs> it's hypoallergenic cheese. <laughs> I want Zadonk cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Can wow. you imagine the label for that? The Zadonkadonk wow. cheese. <laughs> Zadonkadonk cheese. Yo, I'm going out with a Zabret and a Zabras and a Zadonk later. <laughs> We're going to make cheese. <laughs> Is that what you call it now? Cheese? Yep. All right, then. <laughs> I cannot believe Jones and Barnaby do not see the most important sign outside the pub. Which one? Morris dancing tonight. Yeah. We don't get to see the Morris dancer. It's on a chalkboard. Yep. So. Did you know Pony Trap is also Cockney slang? No. For like, what? Uh, like crap or rubbish or. Oh, because trap and crap rhyme. Yeah. So or Pony, pony trap. trap. Yep. But why would you need slang for crap? <laughs> it's already slang. It's already slang. So Liz Tomlin, because her son makes a joke about her marrying everybody, says, don't worry, I'm not Midsummer's Bluebeard or anything. Do you know who Bluebeard is? This is my history with Bluebeard. Okay. Okay. There's a Richard Burton movie named Bluebeard uh-huh. that stars Raquel Welch. Uh-huh. She barely has any clothes on uh-huh. in that movie. Is she beheaded? Uh, a couple of times. Uh, her and a number of people die in the episode. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he kills his wives. Mm-hmm. This is the this is what a blue beard does. He kills his wives. I saw this movie on television when I was a kid on the Late Late Show. Oh boy! And much like the Wicker Man, completely changed my entire outlook on the world. You must have not have known how to feel like, ooh, sexy lady. Oh, she lost her head. Ooh, sexy lady. Oh, she lost her head. It was my introduction to sexy lady dead people. <laughs> And you've been scarred ever since. This movie is impossible to find. I'm sure. Okay. It's not available on Acorn. It's not on Amazon. Anywhere. Right. You can't stream it. Right. This movie. Right. Oh, I God. have an eBay search for this movie, both the Laserdisc and the DVD of this movie. And I cannot find it for under $100. Wow. This, I, I was like, I, I would like to see that movie again, mostly because not that much. You see, you see things that you saw as a kid, and you're like, oh, well, it's not. Didn't understand that when I saw it. Not exactly the movie I saw when I was a kid, but I'm not paying a hundred bucks for that stupid movie. Um, No, you're not. So, (laughs) (laughs) so Bluebeard is from Mother Goose. Oh, really? Mm hmm. It was, uh, the, that the story is called the seven wives of bluebeard they kind of give it away in the title yeah i don't think he's married to seven women at once no i don't think so so the story is uh it was first published in 1697 okay the story is is that um, bluebeard is a wealthy man he's not very attractive and his beard is blue yes it is blue blue in like indigo blue the movie it's blue um, so he gets married and he needs to go away for business and he gives his wife the keys to the castle 
and says, don't go in this room. Says you can use any of the keys. You can go anywhere you want except this little room, which of course she can't not go in that little room. And when she does, she sees the heads of his former wives, all six of them hanging up by their hair on a wall. And of course, then he comes home and is about to kill her too because I don't know how long he was gone, but he just happens to come home right when she opens the door. Yep. But she's saved by her brothers. Oh, okay. Who show up. So that's why Liz is saying, I'm not Bluebeard. I haven't like killed off a bunch of I remember a lot of people dying in that movie. So Yeah. This was a 70s movie. So I don't know why, but I had Bluebeard con- confused with Blackbeard in my head. I'm like, no, Blackbeard wasn't married that much. He had no, syphilis. No, he couldn't no, get married. Different, he different. was a pirate. He was on a ship. Who was he marrying? No, no. Did you notice they did a nice little transition here? This is totally Greenland, but... The smoke? No, no. The bikers. Oh, yeah. So there's a bunch of... The random pack of bicyclists yes. that go by, yes. Because... Those two scenes are filmed on different days. It's clear. Yeah. But by having the bicyclists. The cyclists. Go, they're just cyclists. The cyclists go from one scene into the next. It makes them look like they're the same it day. It makes it look the same day and it, it fools you. It's one of those ways yeah. that film fools you. And I thought that was a nice transition. Now, you can tell it's, uh, what days are different because uh, Nikki at the pub has different hoochie clothes on each yes. day. Also, you can tell, mostly because, David, David, why are you in the bushes over there? We could clearly see you, David. No, Bernard. Bernard's in the bushes. No, I thought David was in the bushes, too. We don't know. Oh, okay. We don't know who's being creepy in the bushes, because this is great worthy. It's full of creeps. It could be any random creep. Yes. You have creeps to choose from. A selection of creeps. Speaking. Why does Barnaby buy all those cup hooks? I don't know. I mean, I know he needs an excuse. But he buys a lot of cup hooks. He buys a lot of cup He buys two handfuls of cup And the wife is like... Sarah's like, we don't have that many mugs. Yeah. Not the hardware Oh, Yvonne is like... Not Sarah. Okay. I wouldn't call her the wife. They don't even count them. They just put them in a bag. They just put them in a bag and charge them. He buys another tub stopper too. Yes. Like, who needs another tub stopper? I don't know. He needs to think about brides and baths. Okay. Two things. One... The old people are watching wrestling. They're watching <laughs> real American wrestling, which is raw. Yeah. Okay. A guy in big undies and a ponytail. And he's fighting a black guy in a fake tux. Mm-hmm. I don't know who any of these people are. But it's if, real. If you do, let me know, because I'm interested now. It's real American wrestling. So it's not fake like WWF. It's real, Mark. I went through a webpage that had all of the wrestlers from Raw to try to find these two gentlemen. I'm sorry. You're so dedicated. I could not find them. Could you filter by a ponytail or not? No, could not. (laughs) You should be able to do that. Okay, and the second thing is John Barnaby is unfamiliar with a rule in our house. Yeah. Okay, the rule? rule in our house is not dinner talk. Yeah. Okay. What he talks about at dinner is not dinner talk. <laughs> Especially while he's eating a rib. Yes. You can't talk about bodies and eat a rib. It wouldn't bother me, but... Sarah's like, uh, um... Yeah. His wife is oh, I don't know about that. Fran's house is beautiful. Like, her... The... The grounds around them, like she's got that little courtyard full of plants. It's so pretty. But the inside is very up and down. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's There's rare. like 
here's three random steps followed yeah. by three more steps in the opposite direction. What's random is I'm Nikki and I want to make sure that my man is happy. Mm. So I'm going to wander around the backyard in a bride's dress. That is a tearaway bridal gown, by the way. With all this weird broca going on. <laughs> and then go be with my man. It's like, not in good taste considering somebody was just murdered dressed like a bride. No. It's really tacky. It tells if, you everything if, you need to know about those two. If if they had done that on their own and there was no bride murder, I would have been like, Who cares? You know, that's, that's their business. their thing. It's really their thing. Yeah. Right? But they make it stupid, weird, creepy. Yeah. Because that's who they are. Yeah. So Fran is supposed to pick Joe up at 7 o'clock. Yes. But when we see Fran at her house, she's got a robe on. Yeah, and Joe falls asleep. Well, she gives up waiting for her. Every time... I don't jo- know why she just doesn't walk over to her house. They both live on Jugs Lane. Every time Joe loses consciousness or leaves the house, somebody dies. Bad things happen. <laughs> Did you notice the screaming hangers? No. When Nikki goes to hang up the wedding dress after the night of passion, mm. the ha- the sc- hangers scream. <laughs> Probably because they're so repulsed by what they've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hanging here. I can't even get away. I can't even turn away. <laughs> what the hell is John Barnaby journaling? There are some shapes. He doodles. He doodles. Because he's thinking about historical crime. He also can't cut toast, cook toast. Nah. Well, toasters are devious. You know that. Yes. They're tricksy. So now we are presented with Fran in the box. Oh, before we get to Fran, as exciting as she is. Okay. Can I tell you a little bit about the two people he mentions in Not Dinner Talk? Tell the two people he mentions Not Dinner Talk, and then we'll get to the the new rule of life, which is if you see a box and there's blood coming out of the box. Don't touch the box! Don't open the box! (laughs) That person does not need saving. No. I think you could also have a rule about if you're going to put a body in a box, don't make it a wicker one. No. It leaks. Well, I don't think David cares. I don't think so either. Though, as soon as he's done killing, he's completely clean. Yeah, he's all better. Because he just hoses off his vinyl (laughs) raincoat and goes back to doing good deeds for people. It's his favorite vinyl raincoat. So Barnaby mentions a couple of murders when he's sitting down to dinner because he's connecting the murders that are happening now to historical murders, right? We've already talked about the bride in the bath. It's yep. 1872. Um, and we've, we've talked before about the body in the trunk at Brighton Station. We yes. discussed that in the Sword of Guillaume episode, season 13, episode two. When we talked about <clears throat> murders in Brighton. Yeah, so if you're curious about that, you can go back to that episode. But he also mentions George Henry Lansom. Okay. And says he poisoned someone with Dundee cake. Yeah. Which he did. Okay. Okay. Now, and we're going to post a link because there is an entire book that is a published version of his trial. Okay. And it's in PDF. Wow. And it's amazing. Okay. I mean, like, I had to stop reading. I'm like, okay, I got to get my notes done. Mark's waiting for me. I got to finish. I need to read this book more and more. And you yeah. can search it and everything. Yeah. So this is what he does. He's hanging out with two of his friends. Um, one of his friends is a physician. And uh, they were talking about ways to administer medications. Yeah. Right? Casual conversation. Um, he reaches into his coat, in his coat, and takes out several slices of cake. Okay. And passes them around. Okay. And he eats a piece of cake. 
Okay. Then he reaches into his pocket and says, oh, I have these new capsules. These are new and they might be useful for giving medication. And they're like the capsules we have now with the two halves, like the gelatin capsules. So he dips one of them in the sugar bowl, fills it with sugar, puts the other end on it and hands it to his friend who's a doctor and says, see, you can give medication this way. Uh, Try it. They're really easy to swallow. And so his friend just swallows it. And the third guy's watching this like, okay. Then the guy who took the pill dies, but it wasn't the pill. That poisoned him. It's a cake. It was a raisin. A raisin in the cake. Okay. That was dosed with wolfsbane. Wow. The equivalent of wolfsbane that would be a grain of rice can kill an adult. Wow. So when they did his postmortem, they found the skin of the raisin in his stomach and it tested positive for the poison. So I don't know if it was just random, like there was raisins in the whole cake, and he's like, I don't know which of us is going to get it. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Or if he did the pill thing to just be kind of cocky. Weird. Like they're going to think it was the pill, but obviously it's not. It was just sugar, so ha, ha, ha. Yeah, because he even ate some of the cake. Anyway, the other guy that he mentions, William Palmer, is much more interesting. Okay. Oh, my gosh, did he kill a lot of people? (laughs) He was awful. Okay. Listen to this, okay? All these people died of strychnine poison. In January of 1849, he killed his mother-in-law. In May of 1850, he killed his house guest. Then, the following are all his own children. January of 1851, January of 1852, December of 1852, January of 54, and November of 55. He doesn't like Christmas. He killed five of his own kids. His wow. oldest child survived him. Okay. So apparently he just wanted the one. I don't know. I guess. It's not a good way to control the size of your family. No. September of 54, he kills his wife. August of 55, he kills his brother. November of 55, he kills his friend. And then the housemaid dies too because she tastes the broth that he poisoned and gave to his friend. And finally, in 1856, they hung him. You think? So that's one, two, five kids. That's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 11 people for sure that he killed. Well, you know, 11 people around you dying of strychnine poisoning could be an accident. <laughs> sure. He, um, he took uh, 1853 off. Okay. Otherwise, he killed somebody every, at least one person every year uh, between 49 and 54, 55, sorry. Well, it was a, an interesting year. No, I just think they had no children in 53. Oh, okay. Um, because if I was his wife and my first baby died at two months and my second, um, no, my second baby died at two months, my third a month, my fourth one um, only seven hours old, my fifth one four days old, and my sixth one when so he, he was seven. So he murdered infants, not children, infants. Infants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like, I can't believe that she kept on getting pregnant because she must have thought that that was a natural death. Yeah. And I think that's why he got away with it for so long. Yeah. Because you're not going to do an autopsy on a baby. They just didn't do it back then, right? poor woman. And then he killed her. And then he killed her. Yeah. She's 29. She had had all those babies and she was only 29. And he did it all because he was in debt because he was a gambler. So he was putting life insurance on as many people as he could and apparently trying to limit his expenses. (laughs) That's not how you do it, dude. He's a very bad man. He was hanged outside Stafford Prison in 1856, and quite a few people came to see it. About 30,000 people came. I would imagine. Okay. And that is not dinner talk. Yes. By the way. Yes. Oh, Fran in the box. Fran in the box. I'm impressed by this, because that is the actress 
with That's a her. bunch of fake legs on top of her. Yes. She's, she is in the floor. They have a false floor with a false bottom to the wicker basket. Or she's laying and her... Her legs are actually outside the basket, but you don't see it. Yes, that's what she's doing. Yeah, not yeah. a false floor, but yeah. she's, yeah. yeah. But she's a good corpse. She's she still. A very good corpse. Even with bloody fake legs on top of her. I cannot believe he sawed her in half like that in her garden. I mean, he, he is nuts. Yeah. Then put it in her car. Yes. Drove it to the train station. Why? And put it in the train station, the the station keeper's cottage. All because he was the, she was the gay. She was the nicest person. She was super nice. He's so bad. And then we get to the real name of this episode. Which is? It's not asses and she asses or zadonk? Zadonky donk? It is Jones says butt plug. does the first utterance of butt plug in <laughs> midsummer murders do you know why her trunks is not wanted on voyage i <clears throat> am still stunned that jones said I'm, butt I'm, plug. I'm trying to shake that off <laughs> i'm like change the topic let's talk about not wanted on voyage it's a tag that means when you're getting on a a, a ship that this is not a trunk that you need in your cabin you yeah. won't be accessing anything in it yeah, during it the trip in the hold yeah, so yeah. they can put it in the hold, and but you can't get to it if they do that. So, but yeah, so don't say it again. You're gonna say it again. I can see it on your face. You're gonna say it again. <laughs> la 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 la. I can't hear you. You didn't say it. Uh, Orchard drops off groceries to Malcolm's parents. Yes, he does. Don't say it again. <laughs> You're horrible. I'm not sure what Liz is drinking at one point, but it's not wine. It doesn't pour like wine. It doesn't look like wine. It's grape juice in a it's bottle. something different. Uh, she can't stand to have that glass be less than half full. She just keeps topping it off yep. and drinking it down. Could you go... Uh, Joe goes back to the house. Do you think you could sleep in there? No. No. No way. She has a nice little polar bear mug where people, polar bears are hugging. There is a nice little moment in the midst of all of that where George says to John, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Like, okay, so that's official. They get along now. Well, what we're doing is building up to, because the next episode is George's last one. So, mm-hmm. so. so when poor Joe is at her table talking about Fran, her yes. second friend who's been killed. Yes. Are all Joe's friends dying? Yes, mm-hmm. they are. There's a wooden support beam, I guess, yep. next to her dining room table. And there is a little poster on it. It's not really a poster. It's like eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, but it looks like parchment. Yep. Um, and it's got some printing on it. And I think I've seen it in another episode of Midsummer, but I couldn't read it in that episode. So yep. I was interested in what it was. I'm not sure why you would have this in your house. I looked it up. Okay. Because what I could read of it is, go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. Okay. There's about 500 words on this page. It's like a poem. But that's the largest part. Yep. It's a poem called Desiderata, which is Latin for things desired. Okay. And it was written in the 20s by Max Ehrman, who was an American poet. Okay. The next line is, as far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They too have a story. 
Okay. It's very nice. Yeah, it is. In the 60s, Leonard Nimoy put out an album. Yes, that's Spock. Yeah. Where he um, performed Desiderata. This is where I know it from. But called it Spock Thoughts. Spock Thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite version of this is one that was published in the National Lampoon magazine called Deteriorata. Yes. Listen to the difference. Okay. I'm sorry to, to... I said I wouldn't say sorry anymore. To be performing poetry with this voice. This is deteriorata. Yes. Go placidly amidst the noise and waste and remember what comfort there may be in owning a piece thereof. Avoid quiet and passive persons unless you are in need of sleep. Rotate your tires. Speak glowingly of those greater than oneself and heed well their advice even though they be turkeys. Know what to kiss and when. Consider that two wrong things never make a right but that three do. Wherever possible, put people on hold. Be comforted that in the face of all aridity and disillusionment, and despite the changing fortunes of time, there's always a big future in computer maintenance. <laughs> I love it. Yep. It goes on. I love it. It's so I think funny. It, I think it was because like, it was a big hippie thing. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. a big 60s thing. Yeah. Um, but that's on her wall. Desiderata. So at this point in time, I'm looking at the clock going, we need to wrap things up. And all of a sudden, David's there in his slicker. Who would get married in a village where two people have been killed in the last 24 hours? Oh, I don't know. But luckily, the vicar has his big hitting stick. He's a prick. Yeah. If you ask Liz, yeah. he doesn't look like a prick. He looks like a nice guy. <laughs> She's like the prick vicar. Oh, okay, Liz. Which I guess makes sense since she was a registrar and he's the vicar. Maybe I they guess. were in competition for who was going to marry people. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So he comes along, David Orchard comes along, and he's whistling. Yes. That creeps me out so much. That creepy whistling might be one of the creepiest moments of the show. It is creepy. Because Joe can hear it, and Joe does, like, the actress does such a good job of, is this in my head, or is this real, or what's going on? He must be a really loud whistler, because she can hear him inside. Yeah, and he's whistling outside. And Bernard is outside going like, what row? (laughs) Like, what am I watching here? But I can't look away because I'm a peeper and I'm going to peep. Well, Bernard does the right thing. He goes and gets the cops. After David hits the door with a sledgehammer, like he's not in (laughs) stealth mode anymore. No. It's a little late. Do you know what that song is? It's the wedding march. No. That's Here Comes the Bride. Yeah, that's what the song is. It's not called the wedding march. It's called Here Comes the Bride. Oh, okay. Do you know where it's from? No. It's from a Wagner opera. Oh, because you need to bring Wagner into your marriage. Yes. It's wow. It's from um, Lohengrin, the opera, which is about uh, one of the Grail Knights, Percival, yep. who gets sent to save a duchy. I guess that's what you call a place where a duke is in control, right? Yes. Because the duke has died and his, his widow thinks the kingdom will be lost. So he shows up on a boat pulled by swans. And he says, I will save you. I will marry you. But you can never ask me my name. Percival. So they get married and everything's good. And they have children. And then one day she just can't stand it. She says, what's your name? And he says, Percival. And then he gets back on his boat pulled out of the swans and goes away forever. Wow. 
And that's the song that's played when they get married. That's dun, a dude dun, dun, who hates his name, man. Now, the wedding march. Dun, dun, dun. This is the last episode I should be singing in. Yes. The one that you play after the wedding? Yeah. That is the wedding march. Okay. From 1842, but it also was not written for a real wedding. It was custom written for a performance of Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh. Okay. By Felix Mendelssohn. Nice. It's Mendelssohn. I will not sing anymore. I promise. Now you know. Yes. Man, he busts in that door. Well, we've completely skimmed over the fact that the Merrimans are dead. Yes. He takes takes them out with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And then puts bridal suite, do not disturb. Yeah. So creepy. Poor Malcolm. And decorates a car out in the parking lot. Yeah. He's, Why didn't anybody notice that? He's Looney Tunes. I thought they were going to be in the car the first time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I thought so too. So then, so he busts in the door, he's looking for her, he's whistling, he's saying, oh, this is the best, this is the most important day of your life. Yep. You're going to get married. Yep. Psycho. Oh my God. David is here to kill you. That vinyl squeak. Oh, but Joan saves the day. But they don't solve this case. No. They catch him, but they don't solve it. I mean, I think Barnaby kind of gets at his motive by looking around in his room, but it took him five minutes. Yeah. But they don't solve this case. What do you mean by they don't solve it? They don't know who it is until they catch him because he's oh, about yeah, to kill yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They aren't like, oh my gosh, I just figured it out. It's David Orchard. No, we no, got to no, go get him right no, now. No, 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 no. Yeah, they don't solve it. They stop him, but they don't solve it. The hardware guy's like, David's trying to kill somebody. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> but it, it upsets Barnaby. He's shaking. Joe is so broken. Poor Joe. She needs to get away. Why would they take him to this school i think they take him to his house because they need to know why he did it and they know the clues are there they wouldn't actually do that they would never well there's tons of things the police would never do that they do in midsummer come on no gloves yes (laughs) they would take him to the station and then they would search his house but it's much creepier that he's sitting there at his own dining room table with his handcuffs on drinking tea acting like nothing ever happened he, Talking he about, well, when such, I finish the renovations in here. Such a good actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. Well, and he's been in Midsummer before. So that's, um, his name is Adrian Rollins. He was also in Tainted Fruit. Yes. They ripened by their own corruption. Yes. He got thrown on the, the farm farming implement. Yeah, yep. the thresher or whatever it is. I have an important question. Mm-hmm. In the flashback? Yeah. Do you think that's Fran's actual ass or that's a guest ass? A, a stunt ass? Stunt ass. I don't know. It's a lot of effort to go through for one tiny scene to get a stunt ass, but it just depends whether the actress is comfortable with that or not. Yeah. It's all, it's He's a, about to start sawing at her thighs. It's a brave, brave actress, whoever it is. Laying on the gravel yeah. Yeah. with a bare butt. Yeah. But it's a real butt. It's not. It's not a... Fake butt. I was pushed for time, so I couldn't think of a murder to attach this one to. That might be my favorite part of the episode. He's just like, uh, I was rushed. Well, Diane sent, so she had to, to go. Joe had an affair with the Merryman, so she had to go. Fran was gay, so she had to go. And Mr. and Mrs. Merriman, well, they never got married, so they had to go. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, David Orchard's perfect. He's never done anything wrong except kill a whole bunch of people. Looney Tune. You got a wife from a, a letter from your ex girlfriend. It's very brief. Brief. Yep. But Barnaby is shaken up. His hands yeah, are shaking. He is obviously upset. And then he doesn't understand how lipstick works, so he thinks he can clean it off with a towel. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have the exact same notes. <laughs> Barnaby clearly does not understand lipstick or chain of evidence. <laughs> All right. Because so that mirror would have been taken out of there. Maybe. I don't know. They would have photographed it a bunch. All right. Best corpse. Oh, I'm going to go Fran because it's right on her face. And she does such a good job. And if that's Fran's ass, she also does a good job in the reenactment. Even if it's not, she's still face down in gravel pretending to be dead. Yes. And she's also dead in the basket. Yep. But it's a close thing with Diane because Diane's in that water a lot. I hope it was warm water. But I'll give it to Fran only because Diane is really not in the episode other than that. And and Fran plays the world's nicest lady and then a corpse. So she edges him out. Yes. Edges her out. After the credits. Well, Ooh. Malcolm okay, let's goes on with, to reinvent himself. Start with Joe <laughs> and her inevitable therapy bill. <laughs> Joe goes away for a little bit, gets yeah. some help. Yes. And then starts over. Yes. Go, Joe. Malcolm goes away for a little while, gets some help, starts over. Malcolm sells the gas station and the house, cashes in, starts over. Yeah, I think so. Yvonne should do the same thing. She should get rid of Bernard. Oh, my gosh. He's so horrible. And now Sam is the only man in town. Oh, no. Matt's still there. Uh, well, the only eligible man in town. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got the market. Is I, that what you're saying? I wish we'd <laughs> see Nikki and Matt in some more episodes. Like, he is passed with Jones. I, am, I hate him so much. Yeah. I don't want to see him anymore. So. He's so bad. But I could see them coming back in another episode having committed a crime. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I guess they just keep running the pub. I guess. The next murder is going to be Yvonne killing Bernard. Yeah. (laughs) If I was Bernard, I would be checking over my shoulder. Uh Uh-huh. And that is Echoes of the Dead. Wow. Who's echoing? I don't know. Well, it's Echoes from the, uh, the past crimes. Two of them. Yes. But not the Merrymen. I didn't have time. And and not Joe. No. Because Joe's just going to get sledged hammered too. No, he's got the ribbon out. He's going to strangle her. He's going to strangle her too. Maybe she's going to go in the bathtub. Maybe. Because he did, the, the guy who did those did do three uh, wives. So Yeah, I think she's got, he's got plans to put her in the bathtub. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, Nikki was going to be the number three. Uh, Nikki's a victim that should have happened. Yeah. You want to talk about sinners? Yeah. She's eligible for the treatment. Yeah, I think if they had, uh, I, they got to the point where they were like, oh, we need to wrap up here. Yeah, we can't <laughs> let him go on a spree. There's not enough people left in town. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, there would just be like the sad men club left and Joe. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, that's Echoes of the Dead. What's our next episode? What's episode four of season 14? First of all, you can find uh, Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Also, post on the Facebook groups, as we mentioned, and Midsummer for Midsummerican Acorn and the subreddit, where we find other maniacs. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe and ring that bell. Uh, it helps us out. So it helps more people find the podcast. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, next episode is 85, which is season 14, episode 3. No, the, episode 4. Episode 4, The Oblong Murders. Ooh, weird cults. Weird and cults. Jones undercover. Jones. Undercover. Without a cell phone. Yes. What's going to happen? 
Yes, and <laughs> nakedness. And, sexy and they say sex the word oblong a lot. They do. Oblong, oblong. They do. It's not as good as Zadonk. Nope. <laughs> Joan says butt plug. You had to do it, didn't you? I did. Oh, man. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Guys the random bikes. racing bicyclists. 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 Ah, cyclists. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's going on the end of the episode. <laughs>